you or someone you love have scoliosis? Are you wondering what's next? What is life going to be like from now on? Or is this even a big deal? Hi, my name is Dave Butler, and welcome to the Scoliosis Experience. We are here to talk with real people, both patients, parents, and providers, to bring hope and clarity to the road ahead. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. In today's episode, I am interviewing Eva, who's a fellow podcaster, actually. I remember when I was setting up my podcast and starting the Scoliosis Experience podcast, I saw her blog, her podcast out there and one of the, the few Scoliosis podcasts, and I thought it was really cool what she was doing. I listened to some of her episodes and and then as I was doing a, another podcast with Megan, I looked at her resources page and there was Eva's podcast. And I thought it would be really cool to, to contact her and see if she would do a podcast episode with me. So I'm really excited that she was willing to do that. Eva's from Dublin. And so there's a little bit of a time difference when we did our Zoom call, but gratefully, Zoom was available, and we were able to, to connect that way and, and had a great podcast recording. Uh, she talks about her experience with scoliosis and how she's trying to help others have better body image, and her own struggles with scoliosis kind of led her to exercise and work out and become an ultra marathoner and, and do some amazing things. So there's a lot to be learned from Eva's experience. And I hope that you learn as much as I did. Here's Eva. Welcome to our episode today. I'm here with Eva. She's actually in Dublin right now. So we're seven hours apart. It's a little early in the morning here, a little in the afternoon there. Uh, we're glad that she's on the podcast with us today and sharing her experience. A little bit about how I came to know of Eva. She, um, well, in one of my other podcasts with Scoliosis, I noticed in the resources section of that website that uh, Megan developed her podcast. She has a podcast called Scoliosis Warrior that was referenced in the references section and the resources section of, of the Scoliosis website. So I thought that's, I, I want to interview the Scoliosis Warrior. So I think, uh, I think we were able to connect. Uh, welcome, Eva, and kind of introduce yourself. Let us know who you are. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. So, yeah, it's, um, where would I start? Yeah, so I have, <laughs> I have scoliosis, of course, and and I am also um, a personal trainer and a part-time kind of athlete as well. So um, I have a wee business here in Dublin uh, where I do personal training, uh, strength and conditioning, and uh, I work with people online as well. So I kind of do a mixture of uh, one-to-one PT. And then I do some group classes as well. Um, and some of them I do online uh, through Zoom or Skype. And some of them I do in person um, in, my, in my little studio here in Rush, which is the town I'm from. And, uh, and then as well as that, yeah, I, I suppose I started off uh, lifting weights when I was about 18 years old, compete. I've done a few bodybuilding competitions. Um, I did some powerlifting meets 
And then in recent times, I've more uh, gone into the world of ultra marathon. So the more kind of like endurance side of things. Wow, so that's awesome. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a new challenge. Um, but uh, loving it so far, kind of training for, uh, I'm training for a 130k event at the moment. So <laughs> just got in from a run after after doing this uh, or before doing this podcast. So my face is a little bit red at the moment. <laughs> wow, that's, that's impressive. Uh, ultra marathoners are, well, you're a little crazy, but other than that. Oh, we're absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but in a good way, hopefully. Right, right. <laughs> and yeah, then apart from that, yeah, I, I do have the podcast, the Scoliosis Warrior podcast. Um, so I try and help people with scoliosis through my own experience of it. Um, but I also try and help just people in general feel better about their bodies, uh, through fitness, uh, through empowering them, um, and through kind of, uh, through, through them discovering what their own capabilities are. Um, that's what I believe kind of builds uh builds kind of self-esteem and self-confidence like not necessarily what your body looks like but more uh how it can perform what it does for you on a daily basis so i suppose that's what i'm all about really is just kind of empowering people through their physical capabilities that's great and and i think so many of us need that right now we need to be empowered to to take charge and do do those things that are best for for our bodies and stuff like that so i think that's awesome. I had no idea you were an ultra marathoner, which that's really, really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I'm fairly new to the world. Like I only kind of started last year uh, just through lockdown. Um, just, you know, <laughs> still go home. Let's start running long distances. <laughs> yeah, let's run crazy distances while we're locked down. So <laughs> may <Yeah>. as well. <laughs> no one else to do. So tell us a little bit about your, like your scoliosis history. We chatted a little bit before the podcast about it. And I think it's a pretty interesting history. Just kind of give us an idea uh, what you went through, stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, I it was first noticed in a skill photograph where my shoulders are kind of slumped to one side, kind of one of the telltale signs of scoliosis. So my mom brought me to a chiropractor who did diagnose me with the condition and we'd never heard of it before, but she said, uh, if I go to her for chiropractic adjustments, she should be able to uh, fix it for me. Uh, so I went to her for uh, six months, twice a week, uh, and I didn't really see any change in it in fact I saw it getting worse uh, and uh, my ribs started rotating um, a lot more and uh, to the point where I had a very visibly noticeable uh, rib hump uh, and this all happened very quickly like it, it seemed overnight it started to happen so my mom was kind of worried about it so she brought us uh, she brought me to an orthopedic surgeon who did an MRI on me and he said that I had a, a severe adolescent idiopathic scoliosis in uh, my thoracic spine and in my lumbar spine as well. And this is all gobbledygook to me. I didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, but he said that I needed surgery anyway. 
and I needed it straight away because it was a very big scoliosis. It was like an S-shaped scoliosis. So within, uh, within six weeks, actually, it was very, very quick. I had a bunch of blood transfusions done because I was told I was going to need it uh, for the spinal fusion. So I had, a, had two blood transfusions done. And then within six weeks of that meeting, I was brought in, uh, operated on. Um, they couldn't do a full spinal fusion because they said that if they had have completely straightened my spine, that I'd have absolutely no mobility and I'd be walking around like a stiff rod. So yeah. he decided just to like partially fuse it uh, to the point where, yeah, I'd still have curvature. I still have a rib hump, but uh, I'd have a little bit more quality of mo range of motion and that type of thing, better quality of life. And then he said that if I wanted to, uh, I could have a, an operation called a, a toracoplasty or a costoplasty uh, to basically like kind of shave down some of the ribs to kind of improve the cosmetic appearance. So th that was an option after I had the fusion done. Um, but unfortunately, six months after the fusion, um, I got an infection in my back. Um, the scar up the top of my back, it started opening up and uh, seeping out like a kind of white uh, substance. So we went back to the hospital and they said that unfortunately, uh, my rods had gotten infected and they needed to come out again. Um, so I had another operation, got the rods taken out. My spine was fused at that point, so I didn't need to get any put back in. Basically, I, I wore a, a body cast that was molded to my torso and I had a little zip on the side of it. And I wore that for about a year afterwards, about 22 hours a day. Uh, absolute agony in the summertime <laughs> so wow. hot like uh, but yeah so I wore that and then after a year took it off and and then yeah and, and after that then it didn't really seem to bother me uh, I was able to kind of just kind of get on with life back to back to somewhat normality again and uh, yeah, and then at 18, discovered uh, weightlifting and that's really helped with the management of the condition. And ever since then, it's just kind of been a journey of uh, getting to know my body a little bit better and, you know, find out what works and what doesn't work and kind of, you know, building upon that. Yeah, it sounds like you've been figuring what figuring out what works and hopefully not a ton of what doesn't work, but it sounds like you've kind of taken the reins with strengthening and that kind of stuff. That's, that's awesome. That, that will help you long-term. Definitely. How old were you when you had surgery? So I was 13 when I had the first surgery and then I was 14 when I had the second surgery. And then, and then there was kind of that year after that, where I was kind of stayed at home, was homeschooled, uh, just kind of getting my, like the operations took a lot out of me. Back then, I suppose the techniques wouldn't have been as uh, advanced as they are now. Mm. So um, it did take me a long time to get better. And I don't think maybe uh, my immune system was that strong since 
my body kind of like rejected the rod. So, um, yeah, it took me a long time to kind of get back on my feet after it. But but now I'm I'm uh, healthy as a horse. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously you're you're running crazy distances. So yeah, healthy as a horse. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So you were 13 when you had surgery did did you grow after that like obviously from the surgery you probably gained some height but did you grow after I mean a lot of times you're trying to wait for surgery until someone's more skeletally mature but 13 did you grow after that no no they told me after surgery uh, that was going to be it like <laughs> it's actually funny I was one of the tallest kids in my class um as a child when I was about 10 but then my growth just stopped. <laughs> so I'm actually quite a tiny person. I'm, I'm 4'10". Uh, I have a tiny torso, very, very long arms and very long legs. So gradually kids in your classes started to pass you up. <laughs> yeah. Like W. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. actually, I have, um, I have, uh, you know, communion dresses and dancing costumes from back then that still fit me now. It's oh, really? so funny. <laughs> wow. Well, that saves on uh, saves on the cost of clothes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to buy anything new. Right. That's great. <laughs> so what what suggestions do you have? Like, say, say one of the listeners on this episode is, uh, you know, looking at different treatment options. You, you tried chiropractic for a little while. Tell us, tell us about that. Tell us any ideas that you have for anyone if they're looking for conservative treatment before having surgery. Yeah. So before having surgery, I'd say definitely try and go down the, either the physical therapy or the physio route, or some uh, strength training. Um, I haven't personally myself done like um, scoliosis specific exercises like Shra or that, but I do. I do hear that that works amazingly well for a lot of people, and in a lot of cases can help. Um, you know, uh, lessen the degree of curvature. Um, so yeah, I, I would start uh, with something physically based like that, um, and anything that such as like Pilates or that that can help uh, strengthen the core muscles, the you know transverse abdominis, all the muscles of the core, is going to be like that's going to be uh, one of your biggest insurances for helping um, you know protect the spine. I, I kind of imagine it like kind of. Uh, bulletproofing your back it's like you're trying to create a core set out of your core so that nothing can nothing can harm it um the the stronger your your core your pelvic floor all that region is um the more you know stability you're going to have in your spine so something something physically based I I would say is is a good starting point for most people well, you're totally speaking my language. That's, uh, you know, that's what we, what we like to do. Core strengthening, uh, shroth, scoliosis specific exercise, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, just staying active and staying strong. So when you did uh, chiropractic treatment, it's, I mean, it's too bad that you were told that it was going to fix your spine and it was, and it was still changing. Was that frustrating for you at the, at the time? 
Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, I definitely held a lot of resentment for a long time because I felt like had it been picked up on sooner, um, uh, maybe I would have had the opportunity to uh, do a different intervention like physical therapy or that type of thing. But by the time it was recognized, um, like how severe the scoliosis had gotten, um, I didn't really have like a, a choice in the matter, like it had to be operated on. But certainly um, if I did have the option, um, I would have gone down like the kind of physical therapy, physio type of route first. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's not the first time I've heard that story where, you know, so, someone's told that their scoliosis can be fixed and they go down a road that isn't doing really anything. And, and it's, it's sad because then we lose time and we lose uh, growth where the, the curve gets bigger. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I mean, you are where you are today because of scoliosis, it sounds like too. So uh, do you know how big your scoliosis curve was before surgery? Do you know the degrees? Yes. So it was reaching, it was in the 90s in the thoracic. Wow. And it was in the um, it was in, I think it was like 69 degrees in the lumbar. So <laughs> it, was a, yeah. it was a big curve. And to be honest with you, it's actually not that much less now. Like I still have a pretty intense uh, scoliosis, but because I'm so strong, like my body is so strong now, it kind of holds it in place. And, and you know, that, that spine is fused. So uh, fingers crossed it ain't moving anytime soon. Right, exactly. Yeah, that that is a big curve. And no wonder you were noticing, you know, that your ribs were changing and that you were you're noticing that they were rotating more because that that's a big curve. It's an intense curve. <laughs> at that point, I mean, there's only you're a surgical candidate at that point. Right. So unfortunately, you didn't have many options at that point either. Yeah, I don't know about over there, but over in Ireland, at least it's like once the curves get past uh the 50 degree range, mm -hmm. that's when, you know, surgical intervention is going to come in. Right. And, and yeah, I, I'm definitely not opposed to surgery when it's indicated, but we try to keep it as small as possible and, and avoid it if we can, but sometimes we can't. So fast forward a little bit, you know, you talked about your surgery and about recovery from that. Um, if we talk about how, how did you get into weight training and, and, Tell us about that. Yeah, so I was introduced to weight training by my brother. He himself had been doing it for a couple of years. And he started just, I think how it started was I started going to the gym and doing like these kind of like Les Mills classes, which is uh, like high reps low weight kind of like a total overall body conditioning and I, I really I really enjoyed it um I thought it was great I loved like the mixture of like strength training mixed with the bit of you know obviously like aerobic exercise in there as well and just like it was sweaty um you know you get endorphins pumping like it felt great um and I suppose the next step on from that was, uh, you know, maybe doing something that's a bit more 
specific um, and, you know, actually doing some sort of program. So I didn't actually, I didn't actually end up doing a program as such, but it, it just kind of transpired as like going into the gym with my brother and him teaching me compound movements like deadlifts and squats and overhead presses and all the compound movements essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found out that because of the way my body was structured, having a short torso and long arms, that I was actually very well suited to doing stuff like deadlifts because I didn't have to lift away very far off the floor because my arms are so long. Um, so yeah, I found out as I was a really strong deadlifter. Uh, some other lifts, not so much like bench press is a, a challenge just with my uh, rib rotation and that, mm-hmm. but I loved it. Like I just yeah, I can't explain to you how much I just loved um, the, the feeling of being strong. Uh, so, yeah, I kept doing it with my brother for uh, about six months. We, we trained intensely, like about five or six days a week. We do weight training. We do some like uh, like boxing, um, sparring. We, we would do sprints up and down the beach. Uh, it was like we, we kind of put ourselves through this like very intense boot camp. And I loved it. Like uh, I'm the type of person who just, I love like intense exercise. I love that feeling of just like, oh, I feel so, I feel so tired, but like amazing at the same time. So that that kind of has always really appealed to me. And then uh, because of that, um, my body started changing. Um, You know, I started developing like caps on my shoulders um I started like this kind of symmetry of my back started evening out I was getting some like core muscles um and um it was just kind of a byproduct of what we were doing it wasn't necessarily that um I went there to try and change the way I looked it was more that I I love the training and I wanted to do it all the time and then because that my body started to change started to get some muscle mass that was now supporting the spine and less, less ribs, more, more muscle. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like now that I think about it, it was uh, such a, such a cool time. And I'm, I'm grateful that, uh, that, that I found it at that age. Yeah. Did you have much pain before, after surgery with weight training? Have you had much pain during that time? You know, I've always had like a low grade pain in my left lower lumbar. Uh, like I've always just had a really tight QL muscle that just won't quit. Mm. <laughs> and, um, um, but I haven't had like a, a lot of people that have scoliosis tell me they experience like pain in, in their ribs or up in their scapula or mm-hmm. I've never really had that even before I started training. So, um, I suppose I'm kind of lucky in that way. Um, but actually quite recently, I was just saying this to my mom that I started, uh, doing some physio to support, uh, support myself with the running and um, because I was kind of getting some IT band syndrome mm-hmm. and, um, I found since starting the physio, I don't have back pain anymore. I don't have that uh, lumbar pain and I also don't have the IT band. So um, delighted uh, about that. Yes, that's great. Good plug for physio right there. 
totally yeah no I because I've always had that but it's always just kind of been like a little niggle in the background and I'm like oh it's just part and parcel of having you know a curved spine but like recently I haven't and I'm just delighted with life now that that's really really cool because with that size of a curve and having a residual curve like that it definitely sets your your pelvis off it sets the the back off so you're more prone to those things sounds like you have a good physio so that's that's great yeah yeah we have a great physio here in a in dublin uh, neve mcgowan she, she runs uh, the scoliosis academy and, oh. and she works directly with like uh, some uh, orthopedic surgeons here so um she do a lot of what you're doing like the scoliosis specific exercises and that so <laughs> it really does work yeah and <laughs> it really does so tell us about your experience with that. That's, um, you know, something that not a lot of the listeners have probably experienced with scoliosis specific exercise. How, how has that been? So I haven't actually myself personally done any of the scoliosis specific exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, what my physio has me doing is um, I have weak adductor muscles and I have a a bit of a weak pelvic floor I just find it hard Mm. to like switch them on and I think that's probably to do with the like tilting of the pelvis um so she has me doing stuff like uh putting you know like a ball in between my legs and Mm. inhaling for six six seconds exhaling squeezing the ball for six seconds and then kind of going into glute bridges while squeezing the ball between my legs um and then she has me doing another one where um i'm doing like a single leg glute bridge uh but i'm trying to um as one leg is straightening out i'm trying to like bring it out to the side but like hold my body in that static position and not like wiggling or trying to like compensate and like i found that so hard to do at the start especially on my right leg I was like, I cannot, like, I just can't move it out that far. But like the more that you do it, like the, obviously the better you get at it and just kind of doing all that type of work, like building that kind of stability um, has, I think it's like transpired into, um, you know, not having that kind of those niggles going on, you know? Yeah. And it's cool how the body adapts to, to what we do. Right. Like at first it's really hard and, and our body figures it out. It's pretty amazing how our our body can work with that, especially with something like scoliosis. That's really cool. It's cool. That's what I always tell people is that humans are like we're the most adaptable species on the planet. Like you you put us in the right environment to grow, you give us the right degree of stress, um, and we become stronger as a result of it. And it's no different to people with scoliosis. Like you might look at someone and think I would never be able to do that. But like you just start off small and you slowly build it up slowly, slowly, slowly. And then over years and years and years, like you look back and see how far you've come. And it's just uh, it's just amazing how much you can adapt. Yeah, that's definitely a principle of weight training and, and muscle hypertrophy and stuff like that. that it, we adapt as long as we put the right stresses on ourselves so we adapt we can also adapt to the wrong stresses too so oh yeah like you have to be smart about it as well like <laughs> i'd work with a couple of people who 
you know, over lockdown, they're like, right, I'm going to go out running. And they go out running for like an hour and their body is just not used to that. Um, so then they end up, they, they wonder why they're getting all these like injuries, like, uh, you know, in their, in their knees and, uh, you know, in their feet and all that it's because like you went for an hour run and you've never done that before why why don't you start with a 10 minute run and, and, and work up from that <laughs> right i totally agree with you i see that all the time too <laughs> let the body adapt before you go and become an ultra marathoner right yeah <laughs> before so i certainly tried to do, I, I tried to do that in september I tried to, I did an ultra marathon where I tried to do double the distance than I've ever done before. I only ever did 50 before that. I tried to do a hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, my body gave up 65 kilometers in. <laughs> I would imagine. Yep. <laughs> Not used to it. So. No, build it up slow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So if, if we backtrack just a little bit, um, back when you were a teenager, you talked initially about how you try to empower people to have like a better body image and, and to be healthier with their body. How did the appearance of scoliosis affect you as a teenager? So it did, to be honest with you, it was the, my annoyance more came from that I couldn't find clothes to properly fit me. Hmm. And whenever I went out with my friends shopping or that type of thing, it always oh it was always just like frustrating and a little bit upsetting um like I remember when I was 17 and going to my Debs which will be your like your prom over here Mm -hmm. and I yeah I remember trying on all these all these dresses and a, a lot of them had zips in them and like the zip just wouldn't like it just wouldn't zip up my back and um yeah, it was just really, uh, it was just really upsetting. Like, but so I think what kind of helped me with that was finding, yeah, kind of like understanding the, the clothes that I knew would, would work well for my body and, and the ones that didn't. Um, so for example, uh, up the top, I, I don't generally wear things that have zips in them. Um, I, I generally tend to go for things that are elasticated um, so it kind of fits um, around my back better so I'd mostly wear like sports bras or like if I'm wearing um, you know a, a tube I'd make sure it's um, elasticated and I just try and make sure I wear like comfortable clothing um, something I find and I don't know if this is like a scoliosis thing or not but if I wear anything that's like too tight around my midsection I find that it can um, it, it can impact like my digestion and um, I'll have like uh, basically like my lower belly like will be bloated and it'll be out here and then the top it'll just like it'll just cut off the circulation and the constriction so I try and wear like uh, loose fitting clothing and it's kind of like that balance of finding something that is stylish and looks nice and you feel good in but then also it being like comfortable for you to wear. So when I found that and I found clothes that kind of suited me, um, I definitely felt a, a lot better about my body. Um, but it's just kind of a, 
it's it's definitely a process to to find those clothes you know right that's got to be a challenge i mean i've never been a teenage girl with scoliosis so i don't understand what that feels like but it's got to be frustrating with with clothes it's not that's definitely not the first time i've heard trying on dresses is a challenge because because of a scoliosis curve let's let's talk about your podcast a little bit tell me about what you do with your podcast and and anything else that you're doing yeah so the uh, yeah i have a podcast called the scoliosis warrior podcast and i bring on uh, different types of guests like i would bring on you know doctors orthopedic surgeons who treat people with scoliosis uh bring on people like yourself you know um you know, movement practitioners who mm-hmm. uh, work with people who have scoliosis. And then I'd also bring on people who uh, just have scoliosis and maybe they have a really uh, interesting or inspiring story. Um, so I just kind of do a deep dive on what their experience, what it is and uh, ways that they can uh, help people out there uh, manage their conditions. So some of them are more kind of like the, the psychological like how to kind of uh, I suppose emotionally deal with the condition and then others are more like how to you know physically uh, physically deal with the condition hmm. um, so I'm actually I'm on a wee break from it at the moment because I just have uh, so many things going on but um, I'll definitely uh, probably go back into it uh, soon and, and create more episodes but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been like a it's been a valuable resource for for people out there with it. So um, no, it definitely will continue with it. Yeah, one thing that I've learned doing this podcast is we need we need more support for kids with scoliosis, not just kids with scoliosis, but adults with scoliosis as well. And the more podcasts and the more support groups and the more resources that we have, I think the definitely the better for for all of those involved so that's great that you're doing that i know that with my podcast i've i learn something every time that i do an episode you know that it's amazing to me what that that everyone's experience is so different but what has what have you learned from doing the podcast like what what are some takeaways that you've learned from doing that some takeaways from the podcast I've learned that there is no one size fits all when it comes to treating someone with scoliosis, that there's so many different factors that come into it. Like, you know, your, your environment, your lifestyle, um, your curve, what age you are, uh, what your values are. Like there's so many different things that come into it. So I'm really, um, I'm really into just like finding the best approach for the the individual in front of you rather than trying to, um, you know, promote a, a one size fits all, but because it just, it just doesn't work. Like we're, we're all so, so different and what works for one person, it's not going to work for the other person. So I find actually um, for someone with scoliosis, having that level of, of self-awareness of, of yourself, uh, and what, uh, what you enjoy to do, first of all, like, uh, you know, I think movement obviously plays a huge role in it. Um, and I think everyone with scoliosis 
should move their body in some way, that's going to be number one, in my opinion. But even within that, it's going to be like, what movement do you enjoy doing? Maybe running hurts you. Maybe you prefer walking. Maybe you prefer Pilates, strength training, whatever it is. But just uh, have that awareness of what you like to do and don't just necessarily look at someone else and say, oh, well, that works for them. So I'm going to do that myself because that's generally not the case. So be, being your, uh, being um, a discoverer of your own body, I think is, is, is key. Yeah, and we're definitely all very individual. We're, we're, one size does not fit all, even though in the medical profession, it seems like we want the one size to fit all. And I think that shouldn't be the way that it is. It, and we're trying to change that. So that's great. So what, just to, to finish up, what advice do you have for people with scoliosis, whether they're adolescents or adults? Kind of what's the What's the main message that you'd want to get out to people with scoliosis? Move your body. <laughs> Move your body. I love it. Move your body. Like, don't, uh, you know, there used to be the school of thought that, like, if you, uh, if you, if you have a back condition and you move, it's going to make it worse. <laughs> but it's not the case. In fact, I find if I don't move, if I'm like sedentary all day, my back is creaky and it's achy and I feel like an 80 year old woman by the end of it. But if I just uh, take the time to move and do it frequently as well, um, you know, don't do, like some people have, you know, eight, eight hour days where they need to sit down at work. And I, I understand like, you know, the nature of your job is sedentary, but if you could even just like, get up and move around like once every hour whether it's just like doing a bit of a shake out or just moving your body a bit but just uh keep blood flow going keep keep things moving and uh that is going to do a lot for your pain levels yeah and i i think you know back in the day the recommendation for anyone with scoliosis was to not do any any impact that swimming was the best option and that you should you know, be careful with your back. But I, I think we've gotten away from that and gotten more into, we need strength, we need activity um, for bone density, and we need some of that impact. And we just need to you need to move. And I, I love the message that you, you talk about, just move, right? Just move however you can. Like, um, yeah, I'd get that a lot. Like, you know, impact. Oh, running these marathons is that not terrible for your spine and I'm like well I feel pretty healthy like I I don't have pain and I feel good um maybe it's it's not for everyone but um I I, I don't think uh people need to be wrapped up in cotton wool I I think uh, as we talked about before as long as you just uh start small and progressively progressively um do a little bit more each time um, then you're not going to do yourself harm because you're approaching it in a smart way. Right. And listen to your body as you're doing it and, and get stronger. Uh, there's a, someone in the U S I really want to connect with him and do a podcast episode with him, but um, his name is Lamar Gant and I have a picture. Of <gasps> oh yeah. I love Lamar. Yes. Yeah. He's amazing. So I uh, it's just amazing to see, Cause he hasn't had fusion. He hasn't, you know, he's a, 
I, I wonder, I think he still holds the record for the deadlift. I think like when you were talking about how deadlift was kind of your, your event because you were so close to the floor <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, it made me totally think of him and, and I really want him on the podcast one day, but it's interesting to see that the more strength and stability you have, it doesn't really matter if you have a large curve, you have more stability. I mean, you have stability because you had surgery as well, but um, the more stability, that, that's what we try to get. We try to stabilize these curves. So that's great. Yeah. And he's like a really, um, he's a heavy bencher and a heavy squatter as well. Um, like I think his numbers uh, are nearly like on par with what they'd be with the deadlift, which I find super fascinating because I'd find myself like I wouldn't be as strong in the in the bench just because of the the rib rotation but he also has that and he's like a very very strong bencher so no it's just good yeah humans are amazing yes humans are amazing especially humans with scoliosis i'm just blown away with what uh what people with scoliosis can do so well thank you for sharing your experience with us eva i think it's been it's been good and and your message of get moving and and use your body I think it is great. Any final words before we sign off? Yeah, just uh, to tell people, uh, you know, don't don't give up hope. You know, uh, even if you're feeling in a really uh, dark place right now, you know, there, there's always something that you can do to to make yourself feel better. Uh, whether it's just going out for a walk or, um, you know, calming down your mind. A, a lot of people the um, mental side of scoliosis so whether you need to talk to someone to help improve your self-confidence but know that there is always something you can do and um, yeah if you ever need to chat you can uh, you can send me a message and I, I'd be happy to help you out yeah how, how would someone get in contact with you or, or learn more about you or follow you yeah so if anyone is on Instagram it's uh, just my name at Eva Butterly and if you are on Facebook, it is uh, Eva Butterly Fitness. Um, those are my main two. So um, yeah, anytime you want to reach out, uh, I'm, uh, I'm always here to chat. Yeah, and we already talked about your, your podcast, so they can look up the Scoliosis Warrior podcast. And uh, you'd be a great one for them to follow, for anyone to follow, not just those with scoliosis. So Oh, well, thank you, Dave. Yeah, Scoliosis Warrior podcast as well. iTunes, uh, Spotify and Stitcher. So uh, people might find an episode there that uh, connects with them. So yeah, that's definitely another option. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on this episode. Thank you for having me, Dave. Dave.